The Sea of Monsters, Chapter 15. Nobody gets the fleas. I got nobody, Polythemus gloated. We crept to the cave entrance and saw the Cyclops grinning wickedly, holding up empty air. The monster shook his fist. I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Welcome to Return to Camp Half-Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that someone else did the intro this time? I didn't have to I didn't have to introduse it. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, as the mysterious voice said, Welcome <laughs> to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we are joined by very special guests. Diego and Sam from the Half-Blood Report. Guys, if you want to introduce yourselves, go ahead. Just, like, tell us about your podcast. Uh, tell us who your godly parents are. Yeah, Ooh. do that. Mysterious. Uh, okay, the mysterious... Diego, you got this in the prep. <laughs> the mysterious voice will go first. Um, and the mysterious voice definitely did the prep. Um, so the mysterious voice knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, the mysterious voice's name is Diego. Um, he is one of the co-hosts of the Half-Blood Report, um, in which, uh, the mysterious voice and his other co-host, uh, the second mysterious voice, um, talk about, uh, cool things, news, and, uh, also happen to do interviews. Um, my godly parent, I guess, is Athena, um, but it's, uh, as I like to say, Athena on a lot of coffee. Um, (laughs) so, yeah. Take it away, um, Mysterious so Voice Two. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to fill in the blanks there. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm Samuel. I am the other host of the Half Blood Report, and yeah. So we kind of we kind of go over all the fandom news. We talk about what's what's new with Rick Riordan's books, and you know the adaptations and Rick Riordan presents. And yeah, as Diego said, we you know once a month do uh, you know an interview or something. And uh, yeah, that's I think that's pretty much us. Yeah. Happy to be or, here. or sometimes twice a month, depending on how the schedule works out. Wait, who's your godly parent? I forgot. To... Oh, I, I did forget that. Uh, Demeter. Let's let's say uh-huh. Demeter. Oh. I like that's a fun that... choice. I like that. that's what, we haven't had any Demeter yet. No, we've think. had a Hephaestus though, and that was fun. Hephaestus, <laughs> Hephaestus, Aphrodite. Um, I can't think. Poseidon. Yeah, and I can't remember who. Like our friends, like our movie guest stars parents are oh like drew i I, it was something stupid probably something stupid stupid oh my god i'm telling him not to listen to this episode (laughs) be angry it definitely was though (laughs) all right folks this week we are discussing chapters 15 and 16 nobody gets the fleece and i i go down with the ship we go down with the ship Someone goes down with a ship. (laughs) She we go down with the ship. She we they goes down with a ship. Uh, Through the theme of success. That's news to me. It it was not. No, it was success. Remember, because like we all, because all the chapter titles sound like a failure, (laughs) and we were like, and it's through the lens of success Uh, (laughs) somehow. Exactly. You that I we'll figure it out. I remember the things, but <laughs> all right. So this week for our thirty-second recap, 
30 uh, second. Yeah, I yes. thought you meant that too. I, I was like, you've counted all of our episodes? I was oh, like, like, 32 like, episodes. Jeez. Uh, anyways, <laughs> this week for our 30 second, as in the time interval recap, uh, Neve has decided to phone a friend, and Sam will be doing our recap this week. Oh. All right. Yay. <laughs> I do it I will count you in like three, two, one, go, and then I'll start the timer. All right. Three, two, one, go. So Animeth is in trouble. She gets knocked out, and so Percy's like, I'll fight them, and then Clarice and Grover say, No, we help. And so then they go and fight them together, and then they decide to fall back because they're all in danger. Uh, but then Tyson throws a big rock at Polyphemus before he kills Percy because Percy showed mercies to Polyphemus. And then Tyson gets the fleece, and then they are running, and then they have a big battle with Polyphemus as he charges in the water, and then they escape because he breaks their boat. And then uh, Polyphemus is like, oh, I definitely won. They're dead. But nope, they're just on Hippocampi. That was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. I, I really That was not... so stressful. <laughs> right. Right. Can, can you see why Neve was so willing to get to offer it? It's like... <laughs> Take it away, Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> I know, for the... You started off and you're like, oh, this is what happened. And then you're like, oh, there's so much more that happened. I got to fill, fill all, all that. Rest <laughs> I was impressed you got the hippocampi in there. I, I yeah, was, that was good. That far. I was very impressed by that. All right. We're going to start off with things we forgot about these chapters re- before we reread them. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean... I, I can I can start if you want. Um, I definitely I definitely thought there was a Persebeth moment um in that chapter. Um but apparently I uh, read that wrong. I definitely <laughs> thought something something was happening. Like like I remember something happening like when they kind of like do the whole fleece thing and it's like, "Oh my god, she's glowing, lovey-dovey eyes or whatever." <laughs> um but that actually did not happen. Um since they were so stressed, he kind of just like yeets like the fleece at her and she's like <laughs> Oh my god, I'm safe. And then he's like, good, because we need to get out of here. Um, like there's there's no like little pause moment uh in between there. And uh I mean it's more realistic that way, uh, but I was still a bit uh sad. Yeah. I think that's something the movie put in our heads. I didn't oh, watch cool. the movie. Oh. oh and you're better for it. <laughs> <laughs> like truly. <laughs> I can say that wasn't a Percy Beth moment, but the moment at the very end of the chapter yes. where they're like on the hippocampi together and he's just like, I don't remember the exact word, but he's like, you're smart. I don't remember the words <laughs> that he is. Literally just, you're a genius. You're a genius. Like, you're smart. <laughs> I'm a so- genius. <laughs> the fleece on her and then she falls asleep and then he falls asleep on the fleece on her. Mm. It's just very like. It was, <laughs> I really liked it. It was very cute for me. Yeah. I forgot how detrimental Clarice is when they're trying to get away. (laughs) She really... Yeah. I forgot that too. She really messed up. (laughs) (laughs) It was was really stressful. Like, honestly, I was like, oh, I could not remember, like, how they escape. Like, the details of it. Yeah, me neither. I was like, y'all, like... Clarice needs to stop. I, she, just, she just kept going. 
I was like, oh, the boulder missed them. And then she went again. And I was like, <laughs> honestly, me too. I relate. Like, I would also be doing that. No, but, but from Percy's perspective, very stressful. Yeah. yeah, I I remembered that something happened to the boat. And I like, and then they had to go underwater, and Polyphemus thought they di- that they died. But I had forgotten that the reason he broke the boat was because Clarice kept taunting him, and I was yeah, <laughs> yeah me too, me too. Stupid. <laughs> it's weird because I I remember the scene of Polyphemus throwing rocks at them, but I had no idea like how they like overcame him so when he died on the bridge i was like oh maybe i made that rock throwing thing up it's over (laughs) and then i was like wait there's like five more chapters (laughs) yeah that's yeah like i don't know i mean i guess like after like we get kind of these ideas in our head and we get like the general plot where it's like oh there's big bad guy uh they get away miami like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but like, but like you forget like the in between things. Oh yeah, there's just, mm-hmm. these books are just packed full of like so many little details, um, like mango chutney. That's, <laughs> that's what. The- <laughs> yes. It really can I? I really- <laughs> yep. Oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I'm really craving mango chutney now. <laughs> well, I was just saying because in the in the chapters something that is really really small but took me off it was like basically uh, grover said that seder meat is really good with mango chutney and then polyphemus is just like oh yeah i'm gonna cook annabeth in mango chutney i'm thinking okay but he said seder meat with mango (laughs) chutney they're not the same like (laughs) very very different products the the sheer amount of cannibalism in this one book is right, kind of wild. We, we really come out the gate with cannibals, and then we keep going. <laughs> it's so disturbing. Like, why is that a theme in this book? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why does Grover know what Seder meat with mango chutney tastes like? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a good. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Diego, Diego. That was that was a that was a distraction. He he, he didn't know. Yeah, maybe. No. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, we we somewhat in the line of cannibalism. Oh, okay. okay th- th- this is gonna make sense how, where I'm going, mm-hmm. but um, I thought it was really interesting when he was like, I it made the point that he has to eat people because that's what he does. Like, like Paul uh, Polythemus just like eats people. That's his diet, and it's like cultural the cultural reality that he has to eat people, you know, like it's, it's different. Like there's cultures where they're Mm -hmm. vegetarian or they hunt more. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to defend polythemus on this podcast. I would would not call my pescatarian lifestyle akin to eating my friend. (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny oh another thing i completely forgot about and i wish i didn't because it made me so happy like not happy but like i don't know the the amount of sheep that is (laughs) around 
Tyson at the end. I don't know why. I know they're like killer sheep, so it's not like cute, but like, I don't know why I imagined it as really cute. Them just like flocking around Tyson. I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, wait, no, they're mean. But like, yeah, they're cute. <laughs> no, it is Tyson in a field of sheep is a very cute image. Um, <laughs> also, like things we forgot that this is when Tyson comes back. I was l- waiting. I was like, I have I know he comes back. I know he's not dead, but I have no idea when he's going to come back. And he came back at the right moment. He just shows up and he's like, plot twist, I'm still alive. (laughs) (laughs) My my hippocampi friend was looking to go play fetch and uh, they fetched me. (laughs) Can I I say how cute it is that he... He basically he 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 comes on them with this on this quest. He you know he he quote unquote sacrifices himself to go down and fix the ship, and then he follows around you know on Rainbow for days trying to find Percy. And then at the end, when he's like when Percy tells him, "Can you go get the fleece?" He's like, "What fleece?" He did not come on this quest to get the golden fleece. Oh yeah, he had no idea why he was here. <laughs> he was just like, "Oh, my friends need help." I'll be there. And like, had no clue what the end goal was. It, it was a really funny moment when he's like, he's like looking around at all the sheep and there's like, there's so many fleas. Which, <laughs> Which fleece is the one you want? But, but it's just like, no, he really, he really does love Percy. Like he came on this quest to help his friends and Percy, not because, you know, he wants to save the camp or get something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Very, very selfless. What a good boy. <laughs> what a good boy oh uh, oh my god i also forgot how iconic of a fighting duo clarice and percy are together oh yeah know. yeah when like clarice is like stabby 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 speary 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 and then um percy just runs around doing stupid things and like smacking stuff i mean okay, like clarice but- is actually trying to do something but percy's kind of just like but can i can i say that i so it's the three of them right clary's percy and grover and grover has his you know bone or whatever but they say attack plan macedonia and i mean just rick being the writer that he is and sort of the history buff i i have to know what that means you know because i'm sure he wasn't just like let me come up with a fighting tactic name uh, I mean, I just, I'm so curious as to what, where the Macedonia comes in, in the, you know, one goes to the front, two come from the side thing. Oh, yeah. that's like. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe he just needed to say something remotely Greek sounding. <laughs> maybe he was like <laughs> Macedonia, Alexander the Great, Greece, close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, run through my history that i know really quick and it doesn't help me at all (laughs) yeah because because i actually i actually tried to do research for this podcast but so i looked up attack plan macedonia and besides like the reordan fandom wiki page it was like like, shooter in macedonia and i was like well this isn't gonna help me if i'm remembering correctly like i feel like it's just not relevant yeah if yeah (laughs) kind of pulled it from somewhere and we're like, okay. Must be some, like, really deep cut. <laughs> he was like, they would only know at Camp Half-Blood or something, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He does that a lot where he's just like, oh. <laughs> oh, no, no, wait, one second. 
he does that a lot where he just like throws in like obscure references to things that uh could possibly maybe be obscure oh yeah <laughs> obscure okay. i also forgot Clar- how like much of a redemption arc clarice had because when i was reading this at first when i was like a younger child than i am right now like it I, like, didn't want to believe Clarice was good because it's, like, so set up in the first book that she's, like, a villain. So I, like, never fully realized how much of a, like, true redemption arc is given to her in this book. Um, I was just like, oh, whatever, she's still a meanie and, like, never, like, (laughs) acknowledged it. But she really does have a comeback that shows that she's not a bad person. Oh, my God. I love Clarice now after rereading this book as an adult. Join my yeah. team. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I I I like Clarice. It's just like I feel like they she she's put out to be such a one dimensional character when she really isn't. Like, like I know Rick probably didn't mean it on purpose, but it's kind of just like her entire personality is just said to be like bad, bully, mean, big spear. Right. (laughs) But like, she's really like more than that. And I feel like, like, as of right now, we're just starting to see that. But like by Battle of the Labyrinth and Last Olympian, like you see that a lot more that she's like more of a person with many different sides and like is capable of love and doesn't only think about like wedgies and stuff at night or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, like, uh, I think a, a few chapters ago, we had that scene with Ares where he was like, I should have sent one of my sons to do this. And I was like, oh, everything makes sense now. Like, that put, that <laughs> click into place, like, just her, that a lot of this is trying to prove herself to her father. Just like, uh, which is the motivation of a lot of, most of the characters <laughs> in the <this> series. <laughs> They all have mommy and daddy issues that they're trying to resolve and they're not. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think like Rick Riordan tries a lot to 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 like express these family dynamics and like how there's like uh, like like bad parents that kind of like neglect their children. Um, and then you kind of have to like do things for them. And it's it's kind of like weird in a way that it's kind of like, oh, yeah, let me do something for somebody that doesn't actually care about me. Um, and that they're like, like all the demigods are really trying hard to like live up to the expectations of their godly parent. But like, honestly, the godly parent just doesn't care. Like, yeah, godly parents like, hey, you know, I, I'm a god. Like, if I really wanted to help you, I just snap my fingers and like everything would be done and perfect. But it's like, hey, no, actually, like the only reason demigods go on quests is just so that the gods can kind of sit around and be like, ha ha, funny, that person's dead. Um, That's hilarious now. Like, let's make an Olympus meme about it or something. Oh, my God. I think it's interesting, like something that we've talked about before is is how the gods are both like hyper-realistic human parents, but also abstract ideas at the same time. <laughs> and and I, I think these books do a great job of towing the line of that and making you question, like, like, they have these complex relationships with their kids, but also they're completely disconnected from them at the same time. That's right. well said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Uh, before we move into discussing I success, I, I need to bring up just one thing that I don't I don't know where to put it in our sections, but I have to talk about it. Okay. There's a point where during the fight with Polythemus, he Percy's like he stabs him a little higher than the thigh, and I was like, "This oh, Rick saying he stabbed him in the booty." I <laughs> the things that you pick up on in this book, literally. <laughs> It's a children's book, Brayden. I know, but it's wild that like Rick was like, I can't say that he poked him in the butt with his sword. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I need to imply it. But he did. Yeah. He felt it very necessary. Yeah. With flowery literary language. Exactly. <laughs> we have to imply it. Cause, oh cause my if god. He said, if he said the word butt or booty in his book, like any like respectable ten year old would just like drop the book and start laughing and pointing at it and being like, yeah. "He said booty. He said booty." It, it's for the highbrow ten year olds who sit and like, okay, where is the thigh? Okay. <laughs> the highbrow ten year olds. That's so funny. Okay. I wish I could say I would have been able to pick up on that when I was younger. I would not. I don't no, mean either. Now, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was—he was writing for the elites, the kids that knew how to multiply. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Success. Where do we see success in these chapters? Um before before we start like looking at success, we should probably define what is success. And oh. what is success within the context of this book? Because success in the real world for some people may mean money, cars, and uh no pants dancing. Um but <laughs> <laughs> but for this book, since it is a, a children's book and these people don't have money, um, then we kind of have to define, like, what does this really mean? I think that is a really good question, uh, because I think one of the interesting qualities of success is that it's very abstract and can mean something different to different people. Um, success, as defined by the Oxford Dictionary, Oh my god, we're via, doing an, an via, English presentation. <laughs> via Google is the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. So like just the idea of success as an abstract like just means like accomplishing what you want. To and then and then and then it's like okay, so what do these what what do we want right here? So they I guess they 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 see success in in I mean making it out of that encounter alive. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you know, you know, there's always like that that little like aim or goal in the back of your head that is to stay alive. Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody's goal is to stay alive. Yeah, yeah. that makes the most. It makes the most sense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's interesting though, because like I feel like you could say that their their definition of success in this would just be to get the golden fleece. Cause that's the whole reason they like left camp and like why they, the entire purpose 
of their trip, but, and they're successful at that. So at like baseline level, they were successful in these chapters, but they were also non-successful in like so many different other ways. Oh, exactly. They did not defeat Polythemus. He lived like they did not win and their ship sank and like Annabeth got hurt. Like there was a lot of non-successful things in these chapters, but baseline what they needed to do, they did it. Yeah. It's like, it's the dichotomy of like success and failure and they fail a lot. They fail a lot. Um, but then they come back from it and then, and then they fail again. Somehow fail again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what I think is really interesting kind of about the sort of battle with Polyphemus is that the whole time as Percy is battling Polyphemus, he keeps giving like new reasons to himself to fight Polyphemus and all the reasons are not about defeating Polyphemus, right? He, he first jumps in attacking Polyphemus because Polyphemus has just, you know, knocked out Annabeth. And then even later, like he's actually like fall back instead of continuing the fight. And they kind of run back across the bridge carrying Annabeth and then even when they're sort of hiving the fight in the water, he keeps saying, oh, I was just hoping for them to, like, get more time to get to the boat. And it, and he, even, even when he first jumps into the battle, he's like, you guys go, and then his friends are too stubborn. So it's kind of interesting, and it almost reminded me of The Last Jedi when, uh, you know, Rose is like, it's not about destroying what you hate, it's about saving what you love. Exactly. And, it's it's exactly that right right there the whole time Percy is you know in this battle of Polyphemus and that's why it makes it kind of almost almost actually a success that he doesn't have to kill Polyphemus to save what he loves being his friends in his camp exactly I so, weirdly I was also thinking about the Last Jedi reading these chapters <laughs> because uh, controversially I really enjoy the Last Jedi and same. Okay, good. But uh, like a big theme of that movie is that you don't is... have to sacrifice yourself to be able to be successful, like to achieve your goals. But then, like sometimes you do. It's a very interesting commentary on sacrifice. Watch the movie. But uh, <laughs> I don't really know if Star Wars needs a plug, but <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> I mean, that's the one Star Wars movie that does need a plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I mean, are we going to talk about the disaster that was? Uh, no, we're not. Rise we're not going to talk about the best Disney age movie from Star Wars. <laughs> ooh, ooh, this sounds like a heated conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it it has been. I mean, like we try to stay um, off the topic of Star Wars for this. Uh, I cannot tell reason. you how like the twenty minute conversations I've had to edit out of a half blue report about. Star I mean, same same was just wrong. So. oh my Uh, god (laughs) all right moving on (laughs) moving on back to success i'm i'm going to uh open up our uh theater major uh toolbox here because i think i think something interesting to look at success through is the ideas of objectives uh so they have an overall objective (laughs) and they also have like sub objectives too so they ha- their overall objective is i would say probably to save the camp but they also have objectives that are smaller that are like oh we also want to save all my friends like they want to make it out with all of them alive they want to get 
please, you know. Yeah, exactly. You mean make it, make it out? Yes. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I forgot where I was going. But there, and Percy also, one of his objectives is he doesn't want to hurt Tyson's feelings or like hurt one of his family. He doesn't want to compromise his morals. And so that comes into conflict with Polythemus because to easily achieve their overall objective to like be successful that way, he just has to kill Polythemus. But that would go against some of his like sub objectives. So he could be successful in one way, but fail like in his like personal morals if he kills Polythemus because he doesn't think it's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, in a way, Polyphemus, like, whether he likes it or not, is his half-brother. So um, it'd be it'd be kind of weird to, like, just go, like, ha, stabby stab. Um, and and I feel like he also can't um, get rid of Polyphemus because then it's, it's, it's meaning that he could make the decision to kill a Cyclops, like, so easily, right? And, like, with Tyson behind him, it's kind of like, I, I don't want to kill an elder cyclops in front of my my cyclops friend like that's like regardless of how evil that person is like you still don't want to like make somebody go through kind of like that traumatic experience and see like hey um like that was also percy's half brother and he killed him pretty quickly and without like any like moral barriers at all like how quickly would percy turn on me if if I did something that he thought might have been with uh, evil intention. Yeah. No, and off of that also, I feel like it's defined by different people, different ways, obviously. I I don't know. I feel like Clarice's definition of success would be like, oh, you kill Polyphemus and you get out of there, you know, and you gloat about it and your dad is proud of you. And then for Percy, it's just like, well, I actually have a stake in the game where it's like this Cyclops is related to me. So I don't think the success would be in like killing someone who's a literal part of my family. So it's, it's hard because I feel like through Clarice's eyes, I don't, I don't know how successful they were, but like through Percy's eyes, like I would say, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult. It's subjective. I think what's interesting about like you bring up Clarice is we, we watch her compromise one of her, her like, minor objectives for the overall object like she wants to save the camp like she absolutely wants to save the camp that is what is motivating her but she also wants to prove herself to her dad and her dad was like if percy helps you like you're not proving yourself to me and but she sacrifices that like relationship with her father in order to serve the like higher purpose and i think that's really sad and very like good of her it is. Her growth is immaculate. <laughs> like I she, also she, wonder... Oh, she sorry. puts camp ahead of, like, her own personal things. Exactly. And I also wonder if they... If the outburst at the end that ends up getting the ship sunk, um, like, her screaming at Polythemus, I don't... I wonder if that was because she felt the objective was to kill him and then saw that obviously Polythemus saying to Tyson, like, you're one of my kind, like you're betraying your own. That got to Tyson in the same way that it got to Percy. And 
um, they decided to like leave him alive and just get back to the ship. And I can imagine like Clarice was probably angry that they didn't like finish him off. And then it was like, well, we need to pack it, get like a few more punches in. Like if we're really going to leave him there alive. And then that ended up being very detrimental. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what could have motivated her screaming at the end at him and then getting the ship destroyed. But you know, that could have been her reasoning behind that. One of the, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that this, these scenes with Polythemus really illustrate the overall arc of the relationship between Percy and Tyson and like the rest of the characters in Tyson, because this whole book is about Percy coming to terms with his relationship with his new brother. Uh, because at, at first, everyone when everyone is like, oh, Tyson's a cyclops and he's gross, he kind of gets pressured into agreeing with them and, like, is kind of ashamed of him at first and then watches Tyson, like, sacrifice himself for him. And the scene with Polythemus, I think, is him deciding, like, if he kills Polythemus, it kind of means that he doesn't care about Tyson that much, you know? In a way... In, yeah. in a, in a literary, not necessarily like in a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a literal in, way, but in a literary way. <laughs> yeah, in a literary sense, he's he's preemptively killing his relationship with Tyson. Exactly. Yeah, what I what I think is really interesting about kind of almost the whole book is the you know their biggest success is getting the golden fleece and. I think it's in the last chapter um, when Percy gets a dream from Kronos, and I'm not going to talk about it because I know you're you're trying to do a read through, and you'll get to that and talk <laughs> about it. But I I know Kronos does kind of um, say some things, and you know the end of the book kind of reveals some things that really really wonders is is getting the golden fleece uh, a success or a failure that I think is just another kind of interesting layer to the equation. Oh yeah, well because this chapter even raises the question like how do, how does the fleece exactly work we don't know like what will happen when the fleece leaves the island like is unclear and even yeah cuz it cuz it the fleece leaving the tree kills the tree mm-hmm. like the fleece touching annabeth heals annabeth but like the fleece being in the water doesn't like clean up pollution or anything exactly yeah the the, the magic rules of the fleece are very vague because, like, <laughs> when you take it off the tree, the tree starts to die. But it's like, okay, when you take it off Annabeth, is Annabeth going to start to die? It's very, yeah. It's very unclear if it's temporary or permanent or, like... Mm-hmm. Or, like, what the effects are. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I've I've always thought about the later books. And there have been, you know, scenes when there are characters who are super injured at Camp Half-Blood. And I always thought, well, just take the Golden Fleece off for, like, five minutes. <laughs> and then... But no, they don't. I know. Yeah, he really raised a problem for himself by introducing this like Deus Ex Machina, uh, <laughs> yeah. right? In, right in the second book. Um, I'm glad that they never really like use it again because that would be very like boring writing. Um, but it's also the question: <laughs> like, why do they never use it again? Because like, <laughs> logically, very helpful tool. Yeah, and then and then. Like, even in later books, you get a lot of stuff that's like, oh, the camp's barriers aren't strong enough. And it's like, wasn't that, like, the entire point of the <laughs> Golden Fleece? Like, that happened, like, 
10 books ago. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think you need to return it. Do you, did you keep the receipt? It's a little defective. <laughs> also, this is going back a little bit, but I never want to hear Annabeth say anything mean about Tyson ever again. Literally ever again. He has saved her life way too many times, right. like protected her. I cannot believe, literally the entire beginning of this book was me just being like, Annabeth, why are you so rude to this person that you barely know? And like, we understand why with the whole backstory and stuff, but now she she literally has no right to ever be mean to him ever again. Yeah, ever. Oh yeah. I mean, this entire book is like, I, I'm not a huge fan of like, racial allegories in fantasy i think there's a problem with doing that with being like this species means like represents this oppression of this type of people um but i I think overall it is like an analogy for prejudice um yeah and we we see it with like like you can't label all cyclops because of the this something that one cyclops did to you um and i i think that really that overarching story is tied up very well in these chapters um except with annabeth i i, I think i think we probably have a scene with annabeth and tyson yeah, later on where- i definitely want to see an apology yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like like um i i i've mentioned this i think on on our our podcast before a couple times but i didn't like i always thought of annabeth kind of as just like smart and like eventually like falls in love with Percy and also kind of like has a dagger and stabs things occasionally. (laughs) Um, But like watching the lightning thief musical made me actually realize that, uh, that Annabeth like, like has more sides to her, but also that she's like a lot more evil than she's like, and like self motivated than she's like, than I thought she was. Mm -hmm. Um, And like upon rereads of like the lightning thief and the sea of monsters, it's kind of like, Oh wow. Like, She's not on that quest to like help Percy and Grover and like clear Percy's name or anything. She's on that quest because she's like, I would die for like going on a quest. I don't care what it is. I don't care if I die along the way. This is what I've been training for. And like in the Sea of Monsters, she's just kind of like, okay, I'm saving like the camp, right? Like I'm the one coming up with all the plans and stuff and like saving everybody. And then and then you kind of like you're kind of like well actually like it's everybody working together and kind of like a combination of that um and i feel like as as this as the series progresses of course like into the last olympian and and into the heroes of olympus like she grows a lot more and becomes more like part of a team um but for those first two books like she's not the nicest character like she's not the love everybody, help everybody kind of character that I remember her being. Oh yeah, she has a lack of social awareness. <laughs> often, <laughs> um, I, I think it's really easy to draw a line between Annabeth and Hermione, like very quickly. Um, even though they're not super similar characters, but they have the same similar like social, like they their friendships teach them like how even though they might be the smartest in the room, they need to think about what they say um, kind of thing. Yeah. And Definitely. I, I think we we really watch Percy be her, her moral compass through mm. this. I think all, these books are really a story of Annabeth's struggle not to join Luke. Um, yeah. And up, I, until, I think, up until the, the last scene of the book. 
Yeah, exactly. The series, sorry. Yeah. I honestly, honestly, that's the story that I'm more even invested in than like <laughs> per, than Percy's like own journey. Like, I I'm very compelled by by the moral ambiguity and the relationship between Annabeth and Luke a lot. Yeah. Because um, it is kind of like an older brother slash like savior kind of thing, but it's also like a hot dude kind of thing also. <laughs> it's so weird. The age difference is the far too big. Is so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Wait, how, how old is Luke? Is he like 16? Or? He's like 19, 19 or something. Oh, isn't she like 12? Yes. Well, thir- 13. It's absurd. Book. 13 or something. So, like, it's very weird as a 19 year old to be like, uh, it's so weird. I don't like it. it not, a, not a fun plot. Also, this is something, a side note. Um, we need to do a smaller episode for Justice for the Percy Jackson musical. The Tony oh, nominations yes. were absurd <laughs> this week. Yes, we absurd. Oh, no. <laughs> We really, we really should. In general, but that's not what this is for. <laughs> oh yeah, we, I was gonna say we really should, we should, we should text Erica and like, we we should <gasps> really do a, should. A, a panel on complaining about. We should. literally we should like everyone we know. Everyone we know needs to be included. We would we would set that up like oh get everybody just open <laughs> forum complaining about the injustices we'll, against we'll, this musical. We'll get the cast on it. <laughs> Oh yes, <laughs> the cast on the panel for. I don't think the cast wants to complain about yeah, not getting Tony nominees. But they they can they can be there for the download numbers. <laughs> like, I, we'll we'll move on in a second. But I just have to say, at least like really not nominating Chris McCarroll. I know. And Aaron Tibet is insane. And Aaron Tibet's the only person nominated for just me. lead actor. Just that, me. Like that was spiteful. That was rude. Straight up rude. I don't... We're in a pandemic, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Like, why? It's so annoying. Anyways, <laughs> should we move on to sass moments? <laughs> yes. Yes, we should. Sass. All right. Okay. I need to find a page for mine. My moment is not really a sass moment, but it is very, very funny. And uh, let me see if I can find the page number. I, I wrote it down, but I, I like to, to cite my sources. Um, Citation. Oh my goodness! I listen to this in audiobook, and I do not have page numbers. Okay, that's I, so okay. We I, rarely I, do. I can say I also listen to as an audiobook, so that's why I don't have a page number. So, so I'm same, scrolling I'm through scrolling the PDF right now. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. I- you know which edition? <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's the the, the bridge cover. Okay, I've got mine. Okay, I've got mine up. Go for it. So I'm gonna say it. It's not really a sass moment either, but I genuinely audibly laughed when reading this. Um, then something went whoosh over my head and thump. A rock the size of the, a basketball sailed into Polythemus' throat. A beautiful three-pointer. Nothing but net. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh, but I was literally laughing in my dorm alone at that <laughs> for no reason. It is pretty funny. So the, the part that makes me laugh every time I read this book is when Percy says, I'm nobody and I'm proud of it. And that, that, the thing is, that just, because the first Greek myth I ever heard was Odysseus outsmarting Polyphemus. And it's crazy. Like, I heard, I heard that play on words when I was like four or three years old. And I, I laugh at that same joke, a variation of it, I guess, like every time I read The Sea of Monsters. And that's really just 
how how like long standing Homer's jokes are that it's just nobody I it's not really that smart but it's just so funny for it's some genius. reason and I laugh every time like Rick wrote I'm nobody and I'm proud of it <laughs> oh, yeah all, all of the I, nobody jokes are iconic nobody jokes yeah. are like I don't know a moment uh I I found funny um was where uh Polyphemus says destroy you Polyphemus sputtered fleece stealer and then Percy yells back, you stole the fleece. You've been using it to lure satyrs to their death. And then Polyphemus responds, so? Satyrs good eating. That's so funny. He was not apologetic about it at all. He was like, no. He was, he was trying to get them to understand. <laughs> like, come on, guys. He was like, have you ever tried like just like a chunk of Grover? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. A little, a little. Grover lamb chop. (laughs) (laughs) The bit that I found, um, I don't know why this sends me so much, but it's so funny to me when they're describing um, like throwing the fleece and it says the gold ram skin sailed through the air like a glittering shag frisbee. (laughs) Like that is such a description. (laughs) It is a beautiful moment. I loved it. It seems majestic. Majestic. (laughs) I can totally feel like like the like the world just went into slow mo just to watch it like sail. Exactly, exactly. There it goes. (laughs) All right, and mine is I wasn't able to find page numbers because the PDF doesn't have this page number, so my mission was pointless. But (laughs) and I'm gonna read this how it sounds in the audiobook because the polytheme's voice is very funny. Um Grind you into sheep chow, he promised. A thousand curses on nobody. <laughs> <laughs> a voice actor, if I've ever heard one. That's really funny. Thank you very much. Like has is polyphemus. I mean, we're we're voice acting is kind of like our thing. <laughs> Podcasters, true. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like I mean if we got if we got an agent and we started practicing saying things in deep voices. We'd be making bank right now. <laughs> I mean, voice acting is good money. Like, let's be it real. Is. All right. Offering time. Who who are we going to offer for? Ava, do you want to just start it off with the person I know you're probably going to offer to? <laughs> I was trying to resist this week. <laughs> if you insist, I'll give my offering to Clarice. Yeah. <laughs> because she just does such a good job and like sure she was a little stupid okay with the just a little bit with the yelling, <laughs> with the yeah with the yelling and with the drawing attention to herself but she worked it was teamwork and she's not usually good at teamwork so I commend her for actually working in an ensemble for once anyway she's one of my favorite characters if you couldn't tell <laughs> <laughs> that was actually good reasoning a good yeah. one <laughs> all right um i'm i'm gonna go with clarice as well um oh. because i I, I was debating between clarice and twice tyson uh but <laughs> during our discussion today like i just really like the idea of her sacrificing her like relationship with her her father to succeed really got to me and and that's why i'm giving an offering for her also i feel guilty for what i'm also about to do so she's gonna get an offering 
Okay, who's next? Well, you're uh, uh, I'll go. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give uh, an offering to uh, Twison. Um, <laughs> my favorite Cyclops, uh, because um, as 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 I believe Neve said, uh, that three point shot was right on the. Board. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> That's that's it. That's the entire <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the, yeah, it's no, fair. Yeah, that guy knows how to throw rocks. He does. <laughs> Who wants to? This is probably going to be. This is going to be controversial. Um, I picked this because I thought other people were going to pick Tyson, but just but so basically, um, not the best book for Annabeth, but I am going to give my offering to Annabeth, um, mainly just because in the previous chapters. She came up with this great nobody plan, and then immediately she gets knocked out. And then Percy just basically copies her plan and then is totally successful with it. And that that just seems unfair. And then she's knocked out like all these chapters. So yeah, that's that's why I'm giving her my offering. Yeah, that was good reasoning. I really like that reasoning. That was was yeah, attack plan Macedonia kind of. Um, I'm going to give my offering to Grover, our king from last book, getting the most offerings. Um, and Tyson is way ahead of everybody this book. Oh my so. God, he's so far ahead. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my offering to Grover. Um, he has been through a very traumatic period in his life um, and still manages to help everybody and contribute to the plan really like protects Annabeth and like cares for her throughout this whole thing. Um, is one some of the bravest we've like behavior from him we've ever seen in the book so far. Um, Cause he normally uh, thinks he's going to be brave and then gets a little scared and lets the other people do all of the work. And well, he just like panics, but he was really brave during these chapters. And also I really love the moment where he just threw a bone at like <laughs> Polythemus and hoped it would work and it didn't, but he was really trying. So I give mine to Grover. <laughs> I don't really know what he was going for there. What did he? He, he, he was through the bone, and it was like but, gonna just slam through the leg, come back up, chop off yeah. his head, and then go through his heart. No, but you're totally right because he carries Annabeth across the bridge, and that's just like that's awesome. Grover and he literally like, carried. He's like not paralyzed in fear, and like actually like mobilizes to help them cut the bridge, and like knows what's going on. Yeah, proud of him. Big growth yes. for him this yes. chapter. Exactly. <laughs> All right, who are we going to vote off the island this week? I mean, I'm, I'm Polly Themis was not very good this <laughs> are, you both, are you both going with Polly Themis, the easy answer? Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to Polly Themis until the day I die. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Polly Themis. Okay. okay. Me and Ava. I'm taking the easy way out. I'm gonna <laughs> conflict my offering, and I'm also gonna. I'm, I gave my offering for for Clarice, but I'm also gonna vote her off the island for her actions in the They're end of allowed. the chapter. Is that allowed? <laughs> I mean, we I, didn't really make rules like, <laughs> of that, I, so I guess so. I feel like I feel like I make the rules. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think you can be allowed to give someone an offering, but also say I don't want to be around you. <laughs> sure, Here, right, take that's my a money. Very go. Good point. I, I think she she just needs to be held accountable for that 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 it's one. Fair, it's fair, it's fair. Um. Oh. 
I was gonna I was gonna kick Clarice off the island for the same reasoning, but since you did that, I'm just polyphemus. Yeah. <laughs> Team polyphemus is the worst. <laughs> Just just a brief update. Polythemus has now pulled ahead of Annabeth. Good. Oh we were so mad at Annabeth in the beginning for being mean to Tyson. We voted her off the island multiple times. All right. Yeah. Final vote off I'm the I'm going to help out and uh, vote Annabeth off the island because uh, she looked stupid. Um, she fell what? on her head and that was dumb. Uh, and she it probably did not look very majestic when she fell on her head. And this chapter was all about being majestic, so I feel like that's very common uh, to the language that, that we were seeing. So, Golden uh, Shag. Exactly, exactly. And it was totally ruined by, like, unconscious ragdoll Annabeth, like, lying right next to it with, like, oh blood God. on her face or something. That like, is so what, what funny. is that? What is that? Big vibe killer. Like, this is yeah. terrible, dude. Hey, any reasoning is valid. These are very personal, personal things. We can't, can't judge people for them. Diego, Diego has made a habit of every time we go on a collaboration, I'm afraid that we're going to get killed by Annabeth stands. <laughs> personal. She's flawed. You know, we get it. Oh, yeah. Love Annabeth. I mean, She's I a mean, little scary. But if yeah. any of oh, you, definitely. In Titan's Curse, if any of you come for Zoe Nightshade, it's over. Just saying. Oh, Yo, oh Ava will find you. I'll find you. I, I, yeah, we're going to fight. Zoe is the best. Zoe is the best. Zoe is Thank the you. best. Another example of how the fleece could have been used for... It's fine. <laughs> all right. That's all for this week, folks. Join us next week where we will be joined by Natalie from the uh, Now Hiatus podcast, uh, Floor 600. Uh, and we will be talking about chapter 17. We get a surprise on Miami Beach and 18. The party ponies invade through the theme of pride. Make sure to follow us on social media. We're at return to camp on all the platforms that matter. And we also have a Patreon and a Redbubble store and Diego and Sam, if you guys want to plug anything, uh yeah um I mean, we, we mainly we're just the of, podcast yeah we're kind of here because we kind of do a podcast. yeah i don't know if you guys really i didn't even know that um i literally actually, didn't even know that actually we do a podcast um so yeah uh come check us out and uh check out our latest episode because i have a feeling you guys are gonna like it this comes out on wednesday right this comes out in two two weeks oh it's two weeks okay okay so check out Diego. Check out, check just out. Just check out the last. Just check out the last two episodes. No, no, no. But I also, want them to check out the good episode. Okay, but can I just say the name of the podcast is the oh, Half Blood okay, Report. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, we'll, and there's we'll, a dash and Half Blood. So we'll, we'll drop their uh, socials and links to their podcast yeah. in the the bio. And then, yeah, and then cool. we'll just do a, a quick little outro. Um, our esteemed <laughs> colleague, Natalie, will be on next week. <laughs> we discuss pride. It was good to I see you on stupid. Return to Camp Half-Blood. Have a nice day. <laughs> Amazing.